0: Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Hey, we're glad that you guys are here continuing in our relationship goal series. And uh, I'm pumped because I feel like uh, this is something, what we're talking about tonight and talking about marriage is something that uh, I, I think it's, it's just a huge topic, right? It's a huge topic when we're talking about uh, marriage. And honestly, I was, I was a little nervous this week. Uh, I take my wedding ring on and off all the time. And so I go through this thing where every couple of months I usually, or actually like every two weeks if I'm being honest, I lose my wedding ring for like a couple days and then it always turns up somewhere and usually my wife Emma finds it somewhere. So I did find it. I had lost it this weekend and I found it and I thought how bad would that be if I'm standing and talking about marriage and I lost my wedding ring. So I didn't, so it's already going well. Um, But we're talking about marriage and we're talking about relationships. Jared kicked off week one, uh, and he talked about really how we can have meaningful relationships in all settings. Uh, Kelsey talked last week about singleness and how uh, really that we need to find our master, then we need to get on mission, and then we can worry about finding a mate. And so tonight we're settling in and talking about Marriage, And I actually had the opportunity a couple of weekends ago uh, to go down to Austin, Texas, to speak at Awaken Church, which is a church plant birthed out of High Street. Ben Shank, who used to be the youth pastor here, and I spoke on relational health. Not just romantic relationships, but relational health. And so what I saw in preparing for that and in taking in content about relationships is I saw some consistent themes, and you know what I saw the most is that God has given us so much in scripture to make our relationships rich. He has given us so many principles, so many things to live by which will make our relationships better. And I started to think if we're talking about marriage and it's we got 30 minutes, right? What, what am I going to tell people in 30 minutes? What could we possibly talk about in 30 minutes about marriage that's actually meaningful and that will make a big difference for you? And I think we're going to land in one foundational thing that if you get this right, you can get everything else right in your marriage and uh, your marriage will be stronger because of it. And how I know this is because this is what Emma and I, we've been married for almost four years now and uh, it's been awesome, but it's like, I always tell people, it's like 98% Great, and 2% are tough times is the way I kind of describe it to people. And here's the thing is I've often not been really confident in speaking about marriage because to be totally honest with you, I feel like I'm getting heavy quick, but to be totally honest with you, when I look at the failure uh, and sin that I've had in my life, Most of my shame came from the way that I led my marriage within the first year, year and a half, two years of my marriage, where I I felt like I was failing. When I would look in the mirror, I was upset with who I was. I knew who I wanted to be as a husband, and I had the idea of who I wanted to always be as a husband and who God had called me to be, and I felt like I wasn't living up to that, and I wasn't living up to that. And so for me, I remember we've done this relationship goal series for a while now at Young Adults, I never wanted to speak on marriage when we first started this thing because I I just didn't feel good about where I was at in leading my family. And what's been awesome is to see that as both M and I have been consistent in following Christ, like um, when we were just singing right there, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, hey, you know, we were singing is like the promise still stands, great is your faithfulness. Like I've seen you move and move mountains. Like I have seen God do that in my own personal life, in regards to my marriage. And I have seen God uh, transform my heart within my marriage and help make me into a better leader for, my, uh, for our family. And so I just wanna say that as we're talking about this tonight, here's the deal with relationships, and especially romantic relationships, is oftentimes what scripture has to say is countercultural uh, to what we have going on in our society. What scripture has to say a lot of times about relationships, especially in the culture that we live in, is kind of offensive. And so I just wanna let you know that if, if you're in here today and you find something offensive. If you're in here today and you feel like you're failing in an area you're talking about, guess what? Like you're right there with me, okay? And I'm right there with you. Em and I's relationship has gotten much better over the last years, but we're still a work in progress. And we're always going to be. And that's the thing with relationships is they're always gonna be a work in progress. And so we're talking about marriage and the conversation comes up because look at the state of marriage within our society. Look at the state of marriage. That in the United States, when you look at uh, the percentages, 40 to 50% of marriages aren't making it. They aren't lasting. 40 to 50% of them. Uh, And that we see that marriage is actually being put off uh, further and further because people are just choosing to live together before they're married. to kind of test run because a lot of people honestly have been burned. Uh, They've seen bad relationships that their parents have had. And they don't want any part of that. And what we see, like as a teacher, what I see in my classroom is I see the repercussions of broken relationships on a daily basis. That one out of four to one out of three, depending on where you look, uh, one out of three to one out of four kids are growing up in a home without a father. in what would be called a father absent home. And this has an impact. I mean, when you go and research that, it has a dramatic impact. And so as a society, the strength of our society, right, the strength of our culture is going to improve if we improve the family. The strength of our relationships, uh, as, as relationships grow stronger and the family unit gets stronger, our culture will benefit because of it. It's a no doubter. It's just what's going to happen. But when we look at the state of marriage, that's why the conversation comes up is, is really what is going on with marriage in our culture. And so here's the deal. Uh, I, I, when we, when we open up God's word, because that's what we do here at High Street, that's what we do at Young adults. I say this all the time, let's open up God's word and see what does he have to say about marriage? What does he have to say about what it means to have a positive relationship with your significant other? And so um, what we're gonna do is let's just land on this main point right now. Let's just get in this main point right now. And this is where we're gonna sit tonight is this, is that a, in your marriage, or a marriage should model the gospel. A marriage, a healthy marriage should model the gospel. Guys, this, I'm telling you, this may seem basic and like, where's he gonna go? Like, that seems pretty obvious, but this has absolutely transformed my marriage. Like, it, it has been a phenomenal thing for him and i that we've seen over the last four years, that your marriage, the foundation of your marriage should be the gospel, that the model for your marriage is the gospel. And what does that mean? the gospel is simply this, is basically how did God love us? What was the love that God showed towards us? That's the gospel right there, is, is how did God love us? And so when we look at that, if we can emulate that same love within our marriages, if we can emulate that same love in our marriages, we're going to have healthy relationships. And so I actually want to do something a little bit different tonight. Uh, my, my wife is here, and she's She's going to kill me, but I'm going to invite Emma to come on up because, yeah, you can cheer for her. What's up? She was, gonna, she was, she was like, uh, she did not want to come up here. She promised that I was trying to get her to give a, get a mic and stuff, and she, she wasn't having it. So, but it, 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 just sit down. And, and so this is kind of weird, right? It feels like we're on a date in front of everybody. It's cool. Uh, and so, Emma and I, like, I'll look at it this way. Let's, let's talk about relationships for a second. Um, when Em and I first met, and like if y'all have ever been in, in a romantic relationship before, like the beginning stages are the best. You know what I'm saying? I remember I saw Em I was like, I, I saw her at High Street. And I was like, holy cow, this girl, she's cute. And then I found out she was still in high school. So I had to wait for her to graduate high school to be honest with y'all. And that's a true story, by the way. But I did wait for her to graduate high school. I was graduating college, but I saw her. And Emma and I both, what, what's funny is when you, you're in that lovey-dovey stage, like I'm not a hand holder, but we're like out holding hands. We went down to Branson on our second date, and we got like queso dip and stuff at the restaurant. And, and now you go and you're like, queso dip? Like, yeah, right, no, we're not getting that. But you do these things whenever you first start dating and uh, you're in that lovey-dovey stage. We're hanging out uh, late. Now we go to bed at 10 o'clock every night and our fun is like, hey, let's go eat at five o'clock and just go home. So, But in the beginning stages, like, Emma could do no wrong. And you guys are no different in your relationships. If you're in a relationship, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And if you hope to be one in the, f- in the future, you'll go through this. You're in this stage where they're perfect. Like, Emma was perfect. And this is what we do. You know, this is like the bachelor, bachelorette stage where you're going on a date on some sailboat in some romantic place. And, and it feels awesome. And it feels so good. But what happens is, is it doesn't take long to realize that that person is not perfect. It probably didn't take Emma very long. And I think what it starts happening like at the beginning is maybe you have some different interests. And you're like, well, that's not exactly what I thought uh, the type of person I would be with. Or maybe you start to see that that they didn't used to talk to me like that. Maybe they make a mean comment to you and you start to see that this other person has stuff going on in their life too. And what that does is this, is this isn't unique to just like marriage or to a actual romantic relationship. This is in all relationships that what happens is we see that that other person is really a sinner. Scripture tells us that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, it puts division and strife in our relationship. And so what actually happens is, is, is our relationships, they kind, of, they kind of actually, where we were right there together, you did that well. We, we didn't even practice this. We just talked about it. She nailed it. Uh, what we see is that sin actually comes in and it causes division and it causes strife within our relationships. And I think what that looks like sometimes is uh, maybe you start to find out that the person you're married to or the person that you're dating, maybe they have some past scars that you didn't know about, and you start to uncover some of that stuff, and you realize that there's some brokenness and some hurting. Maybe there's a past that you didn't know about, and suddenly trust is kind of broken. And we see that, that it's not easy. Relationships aren't easy. And another thing that we see is, is you know, is as we're going is, is um, you know, maybe within a marriage relationship that a, a husband has had this secret sin, right? He's looked at por- pornography for years and years and years. And what that's done is it's changed the way that he looks at women. And it's, it's something that he's having trouble br- breaking the bondage of. And this secret suddenly comes to the light. And what does it do? Or even if it doesn't come to light, it's creating division within the relationship, or maybe within a, within a marriage, is that uh, uh, the girl has some scars from her past. Then maybe she feeds on the, like, the emotional support and the emotional feeling she gets from other men. And, and at the beginning, right, stages of the relationship, it was easy because this person filled, filled that void that they were having. But you know what? Nothing stays new forever. And what happens is maybe uh, that, then they start seeking that in another area. She starts looking for another man to fulfill that. You know what else it is? it's just? I mean, Im and I have had these moments. I'll never forget one time we were sitting in our apartment and we we're just like, man, things aren't the way they used to be. Like at the beginning, it was so easy, but now we we had that conversation of like, it's sometimes you have to like, love is tough. And we see this sinfulness. Like, Emma and I are very different personalities. And that's what you're gonna find in relationships is we're not the same. I'm like, go, 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 let's do it. Let's go somewhere. We gotta do everything and let's just do it, all right? Let's go places and talk to people. And Emma's like, let's chill at home. And this creates some uh, animosity in our relationship sometimes. The division is there. But that's what Satan wants. You know, there's sin in every relationship, not just within the context of a romantic relationship. That sin causes division. And what Satan wants is he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he wants nothing more than to breed disunity within your relationships. That's what he wants. You know, and, and what's crazy is in our, in, in our culture, I think as, as people tend to gravitate further away from an, uh, each other, I think this is why sex outside of marriage has become such a phenomenon or has been such a, such a popular thing. Because scripture is very clear that sex is reserved for a man and a woman in the context of marriage, and so what happens is, I think, is as you start to drift apart, the physical aspect of your relationship is very strong. You know why? Because God created sex, and it's good that he created it, and like within the context of a marriage, he wants you to have it. And it's a powerful thing that when you're, when you're physically um, attached to someone, when you're physically intimate with someone, that your brain starts to release chemicals, and it bonds you to that person, and for the short term, it makes you feel, again, like you're back at the beginning and you're, you're unified. But if it's not done the way that God has chosen it to be, it's still sin, and eventually it's going to push you apart. It's going to make your relationships harder. I think another thing that we see in our culture, too, is, is if you move in with each other, right? In the short term, it makes sense to move in with somebody, doesn't it? It makes logical sense to live with somebody, if you're getting along well and it's a relationship and like, hey, let's move in together and we can do that. That's commonplace in our culture right now. And what happens is, is you, you, you move in together and you want that closeness, but you don't have commitment to it. You don't have commitment to it. When scripture is clear that a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, we see that multiple times. Not only do we see that in Genesis, but we also see Jesus reaffirm that in the Gospels. And so what happens is, is these things that we think will bring us together eventually aren't gonna bring us together. all. Not all the way. And so what we have to wonder is, okay, within our relationships then, if there's division in our relationships, does God give us any hope? Like this is pretty doom and gloom, right? There's, there, there's a gap, there's a divide. But you know what? There is hope. God didn't just leave us and abandon us, say, you know, it's just never gonna be that good here on earth that God actually has given us something that will make our relationships great. And so we've been talking, Emma and I have been sitting here and uh, we've been talking about marriage, right? How this is your relationship. But I want you to visualize for a second uh, that this is like, like where I'm sitting is all of humanity, okay? And where Emma is sitting is God, right? And that what scripture tells us in the book of Genesis is that when God created the world and he first created Adam and Eve, that what, it, what, what life was actually life was, it was as God intended it to be. That Adam and Eve were not only within, with, had unity with each other and one another, but they also had perfect unity with God. So when you see us sitting here at the beginning of time, like that's the way it was at the beginning when things were the way they were supposed to be. That Adam and Eve were united and they were united with God. That they had perfect relationship with him. God gave them one command, don't eat off the tree in the center of the garden. And Eve takes of the tree and she gives some to Adam. And what happens is they disobey God. And we talked about this in our What on Earth Am I Here For series, that that was the start of cosmic longing. That was the start of cosmic longing where we wanted something more. That was where sin entered the world and suddenly we were, defi- we, we were, we were there's that gap, there's that chasm between us and God. That that's what happened when sin entered the world. And so when I say that God didn't just leave us in relationships, what I really wanna say right here is I wanna talk about the gospel, what God did do for us. So even though there was a division, what did he do? Is he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for us. And, and what, that, what that did here is when, when Jesus came and God sent his son to live a perfect life is it actually bridged the gap. It bridged the gap between us and God, that he sent his son who lived a sinless life to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And what that did is it bridged the gap. Scripture tells us that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. All you have to do is confess him that he's Lord of your life. If you believe in him and say, you know what? I am a sinful person. I've messed up. We can all agree to that, right? In our relationships, we've messed up. That even in spite of our sin, if we call in the name of Jesus, that he can take away our sin and he can bridge that gap. And what happens is is this, is then suddenly Em and I, even though in our relationships, even though we were apart, now we're sitting on this bench together, right? This is cute, okay? Somebody get a picture, right? Okay, (laughs) Um, just kidding. No, but what it does is it unites us. That even though there's sin, we can be united due to the love of the gospel. This, see how that, but, but what we need to do is we need to show the love of the gospel within our marriage. That needs to be the foundation of our marriage. Thanks, Emma. You can you can go sit down. Let's give it up for Emma. The awkward exit. No, that's good. But but I can't do anything to save Emma, right? I can't do anything to save Emma. But if we show each other the love of Christ within our relationships, that's the foundation for a marriage. And I wanna read to you Ephesians chapter two, I wanna read you the first seven verses because there's two things that we really need as the foundation in this marriage uh, that that really highlight here. It says this, it says, as for you, in verse one, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We were separated from God. Correct, And because of our transgressions and sins, it separates us from other people in relationships. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But this is the really important part right here. Look in verse four, it says, but because of his great love for us, God who was rich in mercy made us alive with Christ and even when we were dead in our transgressions, we're over here, we're separated from God. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the, he- in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So within this, what we need in our marriage, how do we practically f- put the foundation of our marriage as a gospel? Is you're going to have to be able to show grace towards one another. You're going to have to show your partner grace. They're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. But what did, Jesus, what did God do for us? He showed us grace. He showed us forgiveness. That within our marriage, we're going to have to sometimes go and we're going to have to forgive somebody. I love what Jared has, has taught me that what happens in relationships is often called the crazy cycle. Your spouse, or part, your, your spouse does something crazy, and they will, all right? They do something crazy, and then you're like, I'm gonna do something crazy too to match that because they're acting crazy. And what you do is you get caught in the crazy cycle, but you've gotta be willing to show each other grace in order to prevent that crazy cycle from going on. You have to show each other grace. What else do you have to do? You have to be able to sacrifice for one another, You have to be able to sacrifice for one another. These are two of the the most prominent themes we see in the gospel. Our culture tells us you need to be in a relationship that makes you happy. What does that person do for you? They make it all about you and yourself. How do they make you feel? But what but what we need to be is: how can I make my partner feel? How How can I make my spouse feel? How can I love them? How can I serve them? How can I sacrifice for them? How can I make sure that they're okay? How can I meet their needs, emotionally, physically? What can I do for them? How can I serve my spouse? Because when you do that, then it's, it's not all about you. And it's gonna be freeing for you within your relationship, I promise you that. Then think about it. I mean, didn't Jesus, when he's in the garden of Gethsemane, before he's about to be crucified on the cross, He's dripping blood out of his forehead. He's dripping droplets of blood because he knows the weight he's about to bear. He knows that he's going to die the most excruciating death in history, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, because he's taking on the weight of the world, uh, the weight of the sin in the world, past, present, and future. And he takes it on on the cross. That's the definition of Sacrifice. You know what's crazy, guys, in here, you're called to love your, li- your wives like Christ loved the church. That's a high calling. And I found myself in the first couple years of my marriage, and even still to this day, that I fall short of that a lot of times. And Emma has to show me grace. But I want to love my wife in that way. I want to be able to say, you know what? I'm gonna sacrifice for you because Jesus showed us this model. That's what I want to have in my relationship. And I hope, that, I hope that Emma would show me the same, that she would sacrifice and that we would serve one another because it's not all about us. You know, isn't it crazy? I think Timothy Keller is the first person that I ever learned from that how really a marriage models the gospel. That the way you interact in your marriage should be the same way that God so loved us, that that's the foundation of a marriage. Because if you show grace and forgiveness towards each other, it's gonna help you. If you you serve that person and you sacrifice for them, it's gonna help you. If you're not always thinking about your own needs and wants and desires, and you're thinking about that other person, it's gonna help you. But what we've done in our society is we've taken marriage and, and we've elevated it above the gospel. We've said, this marriage needs to fulfill me in in a way that it's never gonna be able to. If you're relying on a person to fulfill you completely and wholly and fully, it's not gonna happen. Only the gospel can do that. Only God's love can do that for you. And so what you need is you need a marriage where both people understand that, where both people understand that the only way this is gonna work is if we continue to pursue Christ together and if we keep him at the forefront. Because if you do that, you're gonna have a good marriage. You're not just gonna have a good marriage, you're gonna have a great marriage, right? You're gonna get to sit on the bench next to each other. You don't have to be separated or isolated. You don't have to walk away from each other. You know, what's crazy is this is something that's really countercultural to us. When I was down in Austin, Texas, I met a guy there uh, named Onesie. Okay, and Onesie, that's a funny name, uh, but uh, he's a super cool guy. Uh, And and Onesie is Indian, and he uh, is actually part of an arranged marriage. And when I was down there, uh, this guy's following Jesus. He's part of the Awakened Church plant, and uh, he's a phenomenal guy, and so is his wife. Met them both. And when I was down there, they were like, you know what, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary and I've never met someone who is like part of an arranged marriage like that. And so I asked him, like, onesie, tell me about that. Like, that's crazy. 20 years? And he goes, you know, it's very different at the beginning. Like, when you guys, you, you get to choose who you're going to be with. And, he, and, and in some degree, they had some choice. But he's like, we just had to commit to one another. And he's like, you know what? We all get to the same spot. It doesn't matter if you're choosing who your spouse is gonna be or if someone tells you. And if you like the idea of arranged marriage, I love playing matchmaker, so you just let me know and I can get to work on that, I promise you. It's one of my favorite things to do. I've not successfully gotten anyone hitched yet, but the day is coming when it will happen, all right? I will be in young adult ministry until that day comes, all right, that's my promise to you. Uh, but, but the deal is, dang, <laughs> man. But the deal is, is once he told me this, as he said this, he said, we all get to the same point, that in a healthy marriage, it doesn't matter where you start, if you're pursuing Christ together, it's gonna be good. I met another couple while I was down there, uh, and another a guy, and this guy's name was Ryan, and a uh, super awesome guy, got to talk to him, and he, he was sharing his story. And he said, you know, I met my wife whenever we were in middle school. They started dating when they were in like, late middle school and started da- uh, continued dating through high school. And at that time, neither of them were believers. And what they had been doing was they actually just started having sex at a, at a really young age. And all through high school, they continued that. And he said, there's like this shame about it. You knew that something wasn't quite right, but we just kept because we didn't know what else to do, right? And he said, there's this shame with it. And all through high school, that's what they continued in. But he said his wife went to a, a, a camp and went and worked at a camp one summer. Uh, the first year of college. He said she got saved and her life changed. He said he he was attracted to whatever she had and he wanted to be a part of that and he wanted that in his life. And so they actually both become believers. They say, you know what? I need Jesus to come in and bridge the gap between me and God. They accepted Jesus as their savior and they began pursuing him. And this couple who had slept together for four plus years recommitted to purity until they were married. And I thought, wow, I just really like was like, man, that's awesome. He says that's, a, that's like one of the, the, I don't think he could tell his story without telling that part because I think it was huge for them that they recommitted their relationship to Christ together or committed it for the first time. And that showed me something is every single one of us carries baggage relationally. Every one of us does. Every one of us has sin in the area of relationships. Every one of us has a sexual sin in our past. Every one of us has, a, you know, relational issues that they've dealt with. We all have it. We're all united in our sin. But it was cool to hear Ryan's story and to see that, you know what, God can restore anything. God can make the best out of anything. I love seeing that whenever I've seen or talked about relationships. I think of my own relationship where I saw, this isn't what I want it to be. And I knew that I wasn't doing things the way that God wanted me to do. And I saw that over time, a commitment to Christ, not overnight, that he changed my heart. And then he changed our relationship. I wanna tell you tonight that that same thing is offered to you. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you're doing right now, that God can work in the midst of your circumstances and situations. It's not judgment, we're all united in, in, in our sin, but we all have the hope of living for something greater, of our relationships having a greater purpose, the greatest purpose. We can be united in that. And, and so I, I, I just wanna, just as the band gets ready to come out and play and we respond in a time of worship, I don't know what you're dealing with with relationships. In this series, as we kind of close it out, if you don't mind me talking just a second longer, some of you in here might be mad and you're like, God, why am I still single? And you're upset about it. You know what I want you to do with that? Run to God with it. Let him know, pour your heart out, read through Psalms. David wasn't always happy. You know what, but he always took it to God. And I believe it paid off for him. So maybe that's you and you need to just pour your heart out and you need to just explore that and dive into it. Don't let what's going on, don't let your circumstances push you away from God. Let it draw you in towards him. Maybe you're in here and you got, I got some secret sin going on. I'm struggling with some things and I need God to help me. it, It might be overnight. I believe that God can work a miracle right now, but a lot of times it looks like a lot of work. A lot of committing each day to following Jesus and pursuing what he wants over and over again. That's why you need community because it's hard to break the bondage of sin without community. Maybe you're in here today and you wanna pray for your, your future spouse, your current your, your spouse. Maybe you wanna pray for him right now, the person you're dating. You wanna take that to God. Our relationships really matter because our relationships are either gonna propel us towards Christ or they're gonna push us away from him. Let me say that again, our relationships are either gonna push us towards Christ or push us away. There's no in between. Surround yourself in relationships that are gonna push yourself towards Christ. That's what you need, that's what we all want. At the end of the day, that's the only thing that can make us happy. Let's pray. God, I just thank you, you for this group. They, they came here on a Tuesday night, they could do anything else, they could be anywhere else. And they to, you brought everyone here for a reason. And Lord, that we, we, can, we can take our shame and we, we can bring it to you and we don't have to live in it anymore. That all of the hurts of our past, all of the mistakes we've made, we don't have to live in it because you'll free us from it we'll have a relationship with you. I pray if there's someone in here tonight that just needs to accept you as their Lord and Savior, that they would do it. That they would come down front and pray. If someone has something they need to come to the altar with, Lord, I ask you that they, you, you would just give them the courage to come down and pray with one of our counselors. Just pray by themselves, in their seat, and as we respond in worship, Lord, I just ask you to to just do a work in the hearts of the people who are here. God, we love you and we're thankful for what you're doing here. It's in your name we pray.